0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
2: Hello, Australia, and welcome to My Millennial Property. I'm joined with John Pigeon, and today, John, we are being graced by the presence of a listener who has been a first time buyer. I am super excited for this one.
3: Absolutely. And she's open and honest about her first home purchase and how much uh, due diligence or lack thereof that went into buying her first home in Melbourne. So a great story and a great learning outcome for everyone who's listening. If you're going through buying your first home for the first time, it can be a daunting one. So uh, look forward to chatting to her. Let's get into it. So, Miranda, all the way from Melbourne, joining Emily in the studio today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your story.
4: Cool. Hi, guys. So, I bought my first property on the 3rd of January this year. But I started getting into the whole process about two years ago when I had saved up a bit of a deposit and reached out to my mortgage broker. So, yeah, it took a really long time to get there. Um, but I'm finally in Elwood,
2: which I'm very excited about. And how was that? I mean, we were sort of talking off air about the difficulty, and I know so many listeners who tune in probably feel the same. It is so hard to save for a deposit. How did you find? that piece of the puzzle
4: yeah it was really hard um and I know I mentioned this to you before but I I feel like I owe a lot of it to actually listening to the podcast um it really inspired me to stay focused yes. and just keep my goals in focus the whole time um but yeah once I had a bit of a deposit about 100k yep. um that's when I started thinking a bit more seriously about starting to look yeah awesome
3: okay so I was talking to the boys in the office here today uh just how back in the day when I first started investing that I used to read property magazines um, that excited me when I read a story. It's like uh, five properties before I was 25 or something similar to that. Uh, tell, tell us about your, not, not necessarily childhood, but what got you excited about wealth creation and cash flow management and all of that? Was it something that was uh, inbred into your family or was it more you taking it on yourself? Great question. So I
4: actually had the best of both worlds I like to think of it as. My dad's family are Dutch and they moved here having not a lot. Um, and all five kids bought their first home, started their own businesses and have done really, really well for themselves. So growing up, it was always something that was instilled in us as sort of when you're older. It wasn't necessarily about getting married. It was like, <laughs> you'll buy a house. Um, and then my parents actually divorced and mum raised us as a single parent, three girls, um, um, and things on that side of the fence were a little bit of a struggle. So I also saw what life could be like if you didn't have everything in a row. And yeah, that, that really helped me, I guess, make yeah. the decision.
2: Yep. That sounds like, yeah, you've had exposure to both sides. And then it's obviously, as everyone would know, it's an individual choice as to how you move forward from that and what bits you take on board to help create your lifestyle and what you're seeking as well. Um, And obviously education and being exposed to the idea of money management and wealth creation is one of those steps that comes along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So in terms of getting to the point of Considering the idea of buying a property, I mean, you mentioned that it's sort of ingrained that that's what you do, But and you mentioned saving the deposit, but when was the sort of point of, right, I'm ready to go and start looking? For a property,
4: yeah. So when I felt like I had enough of a deposit for somebody to take me seriously, yes. <laughs> um, I guess I was a little bit intimidated of the idea of going to a broker and not having everything um sort of lined up. Okay. So I wanted to make sure I had a sizable deposit and I was serious about actually wanting to make bids at an auction or that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, as soon as I had that sort of figure in the account, that's when I thought it was time.
2: Yep. Yeah.
3: And Miranda, were you looking at building a? an investment portfolio, or did you just want to buy your principal place of residence to have security?
4: So to be honest, at the start, I actually just wanted to buy an investment. I thought I was going to buy a house out in rural Vic, which is where I grew up. And I was actually willing to forego my first home buyer benefits and continue living in the city and just rent it out. That was the initial plan.
3: And, and tell the listeners what transpired from there. What, what was your change of plan, I suppose?
4: So the pandemic um, happened and I'm a creative, I work in the wedding industry and I was out of work for a really long time, which sucked, Um, but basically it changed my thinking and I realised that I didn't want to own an investment. I wanted to own something that if I had to live in it, I would be happy to do so.
2: It's um, interesting how a lot of people's circumstances did change around the pandemic and slightly changed the course of where they were going, yeah. um, whether that be, you know, related to property or investing in general, or even just, you know, money management during that time. But it sounds like, you know, you've come out of it and being able to purchase a, a property in early Jan after coming out of probably the height of what was the pandemic here in Melbourne. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really I'm, cool. I'm so stoked. I'm yeah. really happy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so maybe talk us through the the journey of actually... Once you decided it was going to be a property that you would reside in, how did you go through the actual searching process? What did that that look like? Was it a long, arduous process of attending lots of open homes or did it happen relatively quickly? Yeah. So, um, once I decided that I wanted to find somewhere here in Melbourne where my life is,
4: I actually started looking, I would say, probably around November of last year. Um, and I wasn't too married to a particular location as long as it was in a city and I could you know still drive to work for 20 minutes anywhere kind of vibe I went and looked at my first property in Thornbury and I absolutely fell in love with it mm-hmm. and it went to a boardroom auction and I lost. Oh. And this kind of goes back to that um, thing you always hear about not being emotionally involved in yes. property. I was extremely emotionally involved <laughs> in this particular apartment. I just adored it. So I was devastated. And I think I only lost out that point in the auction by about 10k yeah um I remember I actually had my sister with me and I looked at her and I said can you borrow can you lend me 10k (laughs) (laughs) I I seriously I was so desperate for this place and she she's younger than me funnily enough and she was like no um and so that didn't come to fruition but um it was only the second property after that that I looked at in woods. so it was actually pretty quick okay all in the space of about four months
3: wow yeah and and do you have any sort of things that you not not regret, but do differently if you had your time again when purchasing?
4: Definitely, yes. Um, I think that I was just so desperate to find something. it is a really it was a really hot market mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I'd seen a lot that I didn't bid on, that went for less than I thought it was going to, oh. which was really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I just thought that I'd be priced out and so didn't even attempt it. Um, so, if I had my time over again, I'd probably really think about those things and go to the auctions and not just think I was going to be priced out. Um, and location. So, I was actually just saying before that I love where I where I bought, Elwood's gorgeous, but I'm actually from the northern suburbs. So for me, it was a really big lifestyle change, even though it's just across the river. That's probably something I would think about a little bit more.
2: Yeah, it's tricky moving suburbs. And John, I'm sure you find this particularly on Clarity Calls when people are talking through um, you know what their price point also affords them can sometimes drive them in different ways or even just a lifestyle change or a work change. Entering a new suburb that you haven't lived in before does come with its challenges. like you know, how are you to know what the good streets and the bad streets are or you know where the local is that's that's good to go to. So how did you sort of navigate that once you, you moved in? Have you managed to make friends with the neighbours or what's that been like? Yeah. So I'm actually giving
4: it a real red hot crack at the moment. I've just cancelled my gym membership and I've joined the sea baths. Oh, wow. I've I've done the door knock, met the neighbours, become quite friendly with them. So I'm definitely putting in the effort to get to know my local area and I have to remind myself, you know, I've actually made a lot of crazy changes in my life. I lived in London, I've done a lot of different things, but it usually at the least takes me about six months to really enjoy my new habitat. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I know it's going to be great. It's just the the contrasting change. Yeah, hundred percent.
3: Yeah, and that's – it takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, to go into a new area and – and and put your hand up and say, well, hang on, everyone, I'm new. Can you um, can you invite <laughs> me in, sort of thing, and and uh, accept me for who I am? And uh, especially to go on like door Knock and and like the, the the gym membership and hanging around at cafes and all that sort of stuff. Um, you you create your own success, don't you? And and no doubt that's helped you feel more comfortable in the area. If you're just sitting at home um, watching TV the whole time, you don't really get to to embrace the whole area, and you can easily become dis with your purchase, which by the sounds of it, you may have been early days, you sort of started uh, ringing up, freaking out. Have I done the right thing?
4: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was a little bit worried. Um, I actually work from home as well. So I spend a lot of time in Elwood now. Right. Um, So maybe it's a little bit different for me compared to someone who is going to the office every day. So it really does mean a lot to me to like where I live. And I was a little bit worried. I think I spoke to you, John, um, about my purchase. I -hmm. had buyer's remorse. It's a really big deal getting a massive loan. And I kind of did think to myself, what have
2: I done? (laughs) But Mm. I think I've made the right choice. Yeah. And it's good to acknowledge that because it does happen for some people. They, Especially in a hot market, it can be a frenzy even trying to get in. And then there's the excitement of, oh, my God, I've, I've bought a house. And then there's the actual logistics of settlement rolling around, paying your first round of your mortgage. It really sinks in then, I think, for a lot of people. They're like, oh, my money is going out of my, my account or when the <laughs> deposit leaves. And then it's sort of like, oh, wow, have I, have I done the right thing here? Mm. And uh, it, just, it can happen quite often that people sort of question and maybe need a little bit of reassurance or just a bit of outside um, input to help you reflect on what you've, you know, done. And I think uh, all in all, most people are pretty happy with with where they've bought. It just can take some time to come around to it.
4: Definitely. My sale was very fast. I went to look at it on, I think it was the second or third. And the next day, it was done. Wow. So it wasn't an auction, which for me, because I'd had my heart broken in the boardroom yes. auction earlier, I was very happy about it being a single price. So when I yep. went to look at it, it had amazing natural light. It felt nice. I, I honestly was just kind of sick of the idea of maybe not finding anything. And I just thought this will do. It's great. Yep. So I bought it, moved very quickly. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And I also made the decision on my own. I didn't really have any family come and look at yep. it. So it felt like a lot of weight on my shoulders to start with but now i look at it and i think this isn't my forever home it's yes. the first property i've ever bought i'm not locked into this for the rest of my life i can move i can buy somewhere else eventually like it's, it's totally the first stepping stone
2: yeah 100 i think um it would be good to touch on what the future holds for you as well we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment to have a look at or have a listen to um what the future holds
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: So Miranda, I was always taught, look at a hundred properties, put 10 offers in and buy one. Now, you've looked at two two properties, put two offers in and bought one, right? So yes. I can easily see and probably the listeners can um, agree with me as to why you've maybe felt a little uh, regret or buyer's remorse or whatever you want to call it, 11th hour blues. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> gladly looking forward, uh, a few months later, you're, you're feeling quite comfortable and excited about what you've just gone and done. But I suppose, Emily, when we're hearing these stories, we think, well, th- that could have gone one way or the other. Um, (laughs) And I think, Miranda, self-admission, you might have done things differently if you had your time again. Um, But we can easily see where people go and make these decisions based on their gut feel at the time. And 50% of it works out, 50% of it doesn't. Um, But, Miranda, it was interesting that you said before the break that you're you, you went it alone, even though you've got a, a good family structure around you, I suppose, that supported you through your, your childhood. Can you speak to us about why you chose not to involve any of them, I suppose?
4: Yeah. So, I feel like everyone has an opinion and it's really nice. I respect my parents' opinion, but they, they both have very different opinions. So, it can be hard to pick and Pick which one you want to believe, I guess. So I just preferred to keep them out of it um, and do my own research, even though
2: I really didn't do that many research on this one. <laughs> but I think being definitive on either having them in or out of the process is is one that's a bold decision. For some people listening, it wouldn't be possible to not have mum or dad involved because they're just so tightened on everything, or maybe they're even living with them and it would be impossible to go to an inspection without them trailing along with them. But it is one thing that John and I speak about a lot. And at the end of the day, it's your purchase. And, you know, sometimes family input can be beneficial if there may be a serial investor themselves or have done extremely well in property and they've got an eye for detail and that's actually a benefit to you. Mm. But more often than not, mum and dad's last purchase was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. They're not up to speed with the current market. They want to be there in a supportive role to try and help. Mm. But sometimes it can be a hindrance. 100%. Yeah. I would send
4: things to my dad and he'd reply and say, how much is it? I'd tell him the price and he'd say, ouch. He just didn't (laughs) didn't really get inner city buying. So I just preferred to go it alone.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is probably as well for yourself coming from, you said you grew up in rural. So presumably you came from a larger house. I find, and John, you might find this too, um, millennials buying like two bedroom apartments, mum and dad can't comprehend you living in that space because they've come from you know, like a standard, at least 600 square meter block, probably more like acres if you're rural. And um, they just can't comprehend that you would live in what they would describe as a shoebox, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. My mum was saying to me when she saw it, she's like,
4: you don't have any backyard, you've just got the balcony and I'm, I'm stoked. I don't have any gardening to do, like, <laughs> love this.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a triple whammy, isn't it? It's like, well, mum and dad purchased their first home for a 50 grand. Um, they've come from an area of space in the original location and three, they're emotionally wrapped up in the best outcome for their daughter and that normally involves, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Have you looked at this, this and this? And it actually scares you out of making a decision in the first place. So sort of a loaded question in the sense that uh, I'm interested to see why you didn't involve your family Um, but, uh, yeah, interested to see those that do whether it is a successful outcome, or are we still sitting on the fence, or we end up in a in a fight with our family because of it? But um, Miranda, what's what's next for you? Do you think like you've you've got this home, you've got the security, the roof over your head in a suburb that you're still getting to know, but I think you enjoy. Um, you get to work from home. You you're in a great um, suburb in the fantastic city of Melbourne. What, what's next?
4: So, I'm going to live in my new place for at least the 12-month minimum Mm -hmm. for stamp duty, concession. I might stay for longer if I grow to really, really love it. Um, But at the moment, my plan is to potentially buy another place, um, Northside, another apartment, um, something that I would
2: stay in for the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. And so, presumably, you're hoping that you can probably leverage some equity maybe from yeah. your current purchase. Yep,
4: exactly. Yep. I've made a few little changes. I've been putting a bit of money into making it a bit nicer yep.
2: um, so that hopefully I can pop tenants in it pretty easily when yes. the time comes. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. <laughs> And um, then going north side for your next purchase, what does that look like? Is it a, a, a two-bedroom apartment or what sort of area you want to be in? So I'm really not sure yet as to what the exact place would look like. Mm-hmm. I'd
4: love down the track to be able to afford a house at yeah. some point, but I feel like that might be five to ten years. So yes. whether or not I even you know, go back into a share house to save yeah. more um, for the next five years or I do end up just buying another apartment, yeah. I'm really not too sure, but they're definitely thought starters. Mm. Um, and in terms of area, I love Thornbury and mm. Northcote,
2: um, but who knows what they'll be like in two years Totally. <laughs> Everything changes all the time, doesn't it, in terms of areas and what's, what's in and what's out. Yeah, I think it's always interesting. Um, I think th- the best thing though is you've got a property. So you've got yourself on the ladder, right? Whether that's going to be something you live in for a long time or a short time and you've lived to an investment property, you've gotten in. And um, John, something we were chatting about off air before we were talking about the fact that um, for Miranda, this may not have been possible if she was someone who was employed because the deposit can take so long to save and being self-employed and particularly in a space that's now opened up in the wedding industry and Mm. um, being able to really, you know, I think you said you put two years' worth of work into the last eight months, which is insane. (laughs) The ability to save becomes limitless almost when your income potential is only limited by how many hours you, you can do as opposed to a salary. Um, John, what do you think about that, you know, self-employed versus pay YG when it comes to saving a deposit? Have you seen,
3: mm. you know,
2: drastic examples of, you know, one being better than the other?
3: Yeah, I, I definitely have. Like as a, as a self-employed myself as well as talking to a lot of um small business owners or self employed. Um I, I see the ability to save large chunks of money in a in a short time frame um because that's the that's the task at hand and, and we'll just go and make that happen. And no disrespect to anyone that that is P A Y G but their amount that they get in each week or fortnight is the same and they've, generally speaking, they've got to do with it what they've got um, at the time. So there's definitely great upsides to being self-employed, but I'm not sure if you experienced this or not, Miranda, but there's also complications potentially with lending, especially through COVID where the banks, a lot of the time were not accepting COVID income as such um, for uh, lending purposes, which does make it tri- tricky, especially if you're a small business owner or a sole trader or a subcontractor, there's there's a lot of complications that, that come with that. But yeah, definitely see the upside in that. That doesn't mean you all jump out and go and be a business owner, but I think um, you've got to work to the positives of your own situation and you've definitely done that, Miranda. You could have easily said, well, I'm going to save up for a, a trip around Australia or overseas when the borders open, but. You've said, "No, head down, and uh, I'm going to get myself into the market. No one can take that away from me as long as I pay the mortgage, and then uh, you can you can expand from there." So I think it's fantastic.
2: And looking forward to the next purchase, although you know it's probably in your mind a little bit away now that you just need to settle into your current one. Mm-hmm. What? would you do differently or what advice would you give to some of the listeners who are currently out there looking for their first property? So I don't want to say don't rush it but I'd probably take a little bit more time. (laughs) I feel
4: like I moved very quickly which is just honestly, my personality in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would just tell myself to take it a little bit more slowly and really think about the actual building. Yes. Um, I was mentioning to Em before, but I bought an old 80s apartment, and that's at the time what I thought I absolutely wanted. I loved it. I thought they're built so well, you know, they're amazing, but actually, they're really cold in winter, yes. and <laughs> changing any electrical work costs a fortune. So, yes. little things like that that I think I would have only ever learned from just living the experience. Of course. That's what I'll do better next time. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: And just touching on the fact that it is an apartment and a, an apartment block, how have you found being part of a body corporate? Because a lot of the questions in the Facebook group and John, you've probably seen them come through. People often ask like what to look out for in a body corporate or like how can they make the body corporate better? What's been your experience being involved in
4: one? So I've only, been there such a short amount of time, I've only had one meeting so far. Yep. And it was because one of the other owner, Ox, um, wanted to paint the exterior. Mm-hmm. It's just a normal brick building brown it's not very attractive so we yeah. thought it'd look better if we painted it um, but it actually has been interesting because there's only five units so majority rules in terms of what we do with it yes and I found that really fascinating because we all pay for it but it might not be the outcome that we desire ourselves yes, yes. so at the moment we're just waiting on the fifth person to vote and oh. I'm
2: tiebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm praying for what I want but who knows I have a bad feeling at least it's an odd number that always helps, doesn't
3: it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember having the conversation with you, Miranda, literally days after you purchased the property. And uh, I, I, I'm very upfront and honest when if I saw that it was a lemon, um, there's not much we can do about it because you'd bought it right already. But we could have planned for the future in a different way. But I, I remember saying, look, these are the things that we would look for when we're buying a unit right so we would have a small complex um we would not be on a busy road we would have look at the strata costs and and make sure they're nice and manageable um we would maybe see if there's some add value down the track through a cosmetic renovation um and you've actually ticked all of those boxes <laughs> maybe without knowing it Unknowingly. so <laughs> So well done on, uh, on just flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, but for you. everyone else out there, if you don't want to be that courageous, you've got to look at these indicators before we go searching for our, uh, our first purchase.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think you've um, had a good dose of beginner's luck by the sounds of it and then you can take that beginner's luck to, to learn for the next one. I think <laughs> so. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> for sure. Well, look, I think it's been so interesting to hear hear your story. It's so good to have the input of a, number one, a listener, but also for the listeners, because John and I, we could chat property all day, every day, really. And I'm sure people would get sick of that over time to have some insight from someone who's actually been out on the ground done it themselves and he's planning for something else is really exciting um, and so lucky to be able to have you in the studio today to chat about it um, and we're basically neighbours we found like we're not that far <laughs> really? away from each other yeah. so there you go yeah wow. I've made a friend today
3: <laughs> it's a wonder she hasn't knocked on your door introducing <laughs> <I don't> herself <laughs> <laughs>
2: Emily's
4: already got me onto the L Word Facebook page. I just got accepted. Stoked.
2: Thank you. Yeah, top tip there. If anyone is buying into a new area, check if you've got a Facebook. I always say this, but check if there is a community Facebook page because you will see the good, the bad, the ugly on that page anywhere (laughs) in Australia and it might help influence your decision if you want to move to that new suburb or not.
3: Totally. Yeah, well done, Miranda, and thanks for having the courage to come onto the show and, and, and talk and be really open and honest about what you've done and and also saying well this is what I maybe would have done different because that's what listeners want it's like Mm. the real juice of how you got there but also what would you change next time so everyone can learn and then make better decisions themselves when it's their turn.
2: 100%. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, to anyone who is listening and, and has a story to share, uh, if you're on the Facebook group, you will have seen Glenn said to John and I um, <laughs> that we have to screen people and we can't let any, anyone who's trying to – what did he say? No snakes on the show. No, um, no so you, can't, you can't. You can't be a snake. You can't come on here and try and sell something. But if you've got a story to share, then we definitely want to hear from you um, either right into – the show or even just post on the Facebook group and we'll happily get you in and My Millennial Money is going on tour. And John, I saw on the Facebook group today that you are holding masterclasses at each of the states that you're visiting. Is that correct?
3: Yes, we are indeed. We are uh, every, I think every location that we're going to uh, bar Hobart, it's the night before the actual masterclass. But Hobart, you have the pleasure of us back to back on the same day.
0: Oh, there you
3: so, go. Yeah, so night before for every other everyone else, um, but yeah, we'll cover off on uh, some mini development stuff, feasibility studies. When when looking at being a, a developer, um, we'll talk about cash flow um, versus capital growth. We'll we'll go into a fair bit of detail. And as we've mentioned in the, I think in the ads, um, it, it's for the advanced. But if you're if you have a vision to be one day. Uh, doing that sort of stuff, then absolutely come along. Don't think it'll be over your head because we'll start basic and then work our way through as the session goes on. So, yeah, don't don't feel it's go- not going to be for you.
2: 100%. There'll be a link in the show notes for both the road show more generally and the masterclasses that John is hosting, so be sure to check it out and John will see you there. I might pop my head into the Melbourne and probably the Hobart event too. Excellent. Um, but Glenn and John will be at every single one. <laughs>
3: We will indeed. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, we're not going to Auckland this year. That's the only thing. We were um, planning on it, down. but maybe next year we'll go and hit the slopes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love it. Well, Miranda, thank you so much for today. It's been a pleasure to hear your story, and we look forward to bringing you guys another episode next week. Thank you for having me.
3: No worries. Thanks, Miranda.
1: We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.
3: Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education.
2: That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps.
3: I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space.
2: And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course.
3: Follow the links in the
1: show notes to sign up and get started today.